so excited about this passage. Stand with me. We're going to read together Psalms 23. This is part of our summer series in 30 years of ministry. This week is 30 years, July 6th. I've never preached a series before on this most beloved psalm, and I have thoroughly enjoyed it. I trust that you have received uh, encouragement and enlightenment from it. I'll begin the passage, and then I'll fall out, and you continue to read. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. One quick announcement I need to make. Please forgive me. I usually don't like to begin and make an announcement. But we've been announcing this summer that the first and third Monday, we are going to have our men's breakfast in the grill, 6.30 a.m. Well, this first Monday falls on July 4th. So since I don't want to be the only guy here at 6.30 in the morning tomorrow, we will begin on July 19th. First and third Monday. It's one hour. Uh, we'll have uh, breakfast available if you bring it. And we're going to uh, have instruction in the word of the Lord. Just a time of prayer. It is a sacrifice. But we as men need each other and encourage each other. And to know that we've not arrived, but we're arriving. We're on our way. So this morning uh, in our series, we're at verse 3, part B. We've already talked about the Lord is my shepherd. I don't just have a shepherd. I have God Almighty as my shepherd, the creator, the all-sufficient one, the ever-present one, the omniscient one, the one that cannot be defeated. That's my shepherd, David said. And the first thing God does when we come into alignment with him leading and us following, it's not work, it's rest. He makes me lie down. God, at the end of work, rested because he is not a limited resource. But when we follow the Lord, the first thing he wants us to do before we get out and get busy for him is to be at peace with him. The peace of God and peace with God. And that we're at rest knowing that nothing can happen to us that God cannot uh, fix or overcome. There's strength in resting. He leads me beside still waters because turbulent waters would make us fearful. And a sheep, one of the things they're most afraid of besides the animals that prey upon them is turbulent waters because in a swift stream, their wool would get full of water and they would sink and die. And it said, he restores my soul. I know I'm not the only one, but some of us, we know in small ways and medium ways and large ways We have experienced God bring us back from the dead. Not just when we were saved, but since we're saved. Physical sickness into health. Emotional sickness into wholeness. Loss into abundance. He restores my soul. It wasn't too very long ago that I was rehearsing with the Lord in my time with Him. Uh, I don't have the kind where I go in a corner necessarily and put a towel over my head or, and I'm not demeaning that. I I just, I like to talk to the Lord all during the day. And I was just reminding him of my many, many blessings. And I was counting them out loud. And as clear as I've ever heard his voice, he said, and not a one of your blessings was deserved. I restored you because I loved you. And it humbles you even further. And David, King David, who has came from the pasture A man whose own father wouldn't recognize him as a son. God takes him from the the hills of Judea and puts him as the king of Israel, the greatest king in the history of the world. The most noble, upright, righteous, God-honored king. And David looks over his shoulder with all the loss 
and with the wife that wouldn't walk with God with him and the son that tried to kill him. And he looked over his shoulder and said, ah, God restores it all. He doesn't, God does not keep you from trauma. He brings you back from the dead. We're not exempt from trouble, but God can restore every part of you. And I know I am no stranger to pain or sorrow or humiliation or hopelessness. I understand. And in the very place where you and everyone else will surround you and take hands and say, this is gone forever. God will break that chain, step in and go, watch this and bring you back to life again. He restores. God restores. And this is the part we're going to speak about this morning. He, who is he? God, the shepherd. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. That word righteousness does or can and does mean two things. God leads me, leads me in paths that unite me with him. Righteous means right standing with God. But it also means right paths, proper paths, appropriate paths, necessary paths. So with God leading you, he's going to lead you in paths that keep you and him close together. But they are evidenced by you being in the right place at the right time for your life. Righteous and right paths. And that's what I want to talk to you about this morning. Very quickly, would you mind if I prayed for myself? Lord God, for many years now, you've given me the opportunity to talk to people about your word. And there's something about today for me. I just feel again, and I do so often, but I am just, I want to say lucky. I know there's no luck, but I am the luckiest man in the world that you would allow me to share your truths and someone like me that's so not the right candidate, you could let do this. And I'm just humbled beyond words today. And I'm asking that you would anoint me today with your spirit and make my words uh, powerful and profound and clear and let them, uh, like water finding the lowest place, go into the deepest part of our heart that we might grow thereby and become more like you and bring more pleasure to you as your children. In Jesus' name, amen. The book of Psalms, David says this about God, God speaking to us. Psalms 32, 8 and 9. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I'm going to lead you. I will guide you with my eye. And that's one of my favorite verses. God said, I'll instruct you. I'll teach you. Listen to me. Watch me. Follow me. But this is a verse not so often quoted. But don't be like a horse or a mule without understanding, which must be turned with a bit and a bridle or it will not stay near you. Don't be stubborn. Turn to your neighbor. I know you didn't know they were there. Just tell them, don't be hard-headed. Oh, tell them again because they're still hard-headed. Tell them, don't be that way. All right. This wasn't in my notes, but I'll just ask you, would God describe you as hard-headed? Y'all said yes, like that's noble. Yes. My brethren, these things ought not to be. When we are hesitant to follow the Lord, it's because we equate ourselves with him. I know what you know or better. I know what I need or better. And I'm as more current with myself than you are or better. And hard-headedness is the evidence of ignorance. It's the evidence. Now, by hard-headed, I mean when the Lord wants to lead us. It's ignorant. Why would we not trust the Lamb of God? Why would we not trust the all-seeing and the all-knowing one? It's It's because we see our surroundings more clearly than we see our shepherd. We know our surroundings better than we know the heart of the one that leads us. And God wants us to enter into his rest by knowing him. Jesus said, learn of me and you'll find rest unto your souls. You don't have to worry about where you're going. I'm not arrived, but I have hit some milestones. I've hit some places in my life that I've crossed over. There's room for improvement, 
but I have, I understand that he has my best interest at heart. And even if he leads me into a difficult place, and even if he leads me into a place where other people don't understand, he is operating from all knowledge. And I, ignorant John, am not to question a God that is so good and kind. And I just realized that I'm a dumb sheep and he is a wonderful shepherd and it makes life so much easier. The crossing over point for me is when I got to the place where I'm okay with telling you I don't know. I remember in the church when you're making transitions and you're buying property and you're moving and they said, well, well what are we going to do? Some of you weren't here for this, but before we bought Sportstown, we were in three services on Sunday morning, packed out, people working everywhere, can't get in the parking lot, can't get out of the parking lot. And so I've never had a capital fund drive in our church. You know what that is, where you put the thermometer on the stage? Y'all know, and you put the dollar figure up here and then talk about money for an hour and a half and then Jesus about 12 minutes and you get to go home. Never done that. And I said, well, we got to move. We got $200,000 in the bank and it'll cost... $2.7 million to build on our property on Nile Road. So we waited for 90 days. Uh, it was 30 days, I'm sorry. We're just going to pray as God leads you and fast. And we're going to take one offering, pledges and offering. So the 30 days passed. We took the pledges and offering. And I came back the next Sunday, not upset. And wasn't trying to drive us to a place because we're just following the Lord. And we needed $2.7 million and pledges predominantly pledges, and the offering was 60-something thousand dollars. So you needed 2.7, and there was $60,000. I remember at the business meeting, I told, you know, it's like an informal business meeting, told everybody the deal, and the voice came from the gallery, what are we going to do? I said, oh, I don't know. What? That instills a lot of confidence in the leader of the church. It ought to. I don't know. Had we started building on the property, we wouldn't have got a million dollars for the property we paid 400000 for. We wouldn't have moved into a building where someone gave us $5 million to get into the building. Now, I'm not trying to impress you with figures. I'm telling you in the key places of my life as a pastor and as a man, I get to say, I don't know. But my shepherd does. And he's going to lead you into right paths and right righteousness. Righteousness and right paths. You ain't got to know. Confidence does not come in you knowing. Confidence comes in knowing he knows. And he will. He will lead you into righteous paths and right paths. I better get to my notes. We're going to be... We, well, we're going to beat everybody to dinner because half people ain't in church. Anyway, <laughs> down the lake getting burned. Okay. Or at Lake Tobosovsky sinking in the quagmire. Have y'all ever walked at Lake Tobosovsky and you go up to your knee in the little... Anyway, that's not in my notes. Okay. Number one, God's pathways, dot, 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 number one, are always best. But they are not chosen for your comfort primarily. They're chosen for God's glory. They're always best. Well, what I, it ain't what I wanted, but it's always best. God doesn't have a pathway that's not best. You need to write that down. God does not have a pathway for your life that's not best. God's pathways are best because they're based on perfect knowledge. I remember the second home I ever purchased, we negotiated going from a house that was 49000 to a house that was 119000 you're talking about fasting and praying and, oh, God, don't let us miss it. <laughs> you know, you're thinking you're working three jobs. That's a jump. I, you know, I changed my answer machine to the theme from the Jeffersons, moving on up to the east side. I was going to get this house and just praying, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, are we supposed to do it? And I felt a peace about getting it, only to find on the first morning that our driveway was the bus stop. Realtor failed to mention that one, didn't you? I go out in my boxers, you know, hair all shoveled up, open door, like, what's going on out here? Real Christian, make sure I didn't have a Christ Chapel shirt on. Went out there, what are y'all doing? This guy goes, 
This is the bus stop, dude. I go inside, I go, we bought the bus stop. We bought, you ain't hearing me. I don't mean one or two kids nicely dressed in uniform waiting in line. It's Ringling Brothers in my driveway. They're swinging from my trees, leaned all up against my car, which I keep very clean, scratching it with their little buttons and everything. I'm like, so just equate this to your life where you've done, made a decision, you felt the Lord was leading you, but God wouldn't have led me to a driveway full of kids. But it just so happened that in that driveway was a little boy named Jimmy Sanderson who I took to church with me for a couple of years. Well, I witnessed to him and I shared the love of God and brought him into our home. And we started feeding all the kids in the driveway every morning. We'd just give them Pop-Tarts and, you know, they'd come in afternoon and drink all our sodas. And God's will can be very expensive. And my car got all scuffed up, had to commit it to Jesus, you know. Uh, and this little boy asked me one day, Mr. John, when can I go to church with you? And I checked my day timer because we didn't have cell phones. And I looked at it and I said, uh, I can take you in two or three months. And when I told that little boy that, something in my heart just changed. And I leaned down and I said, I'll take you this Sunday. I went and called the preacher, told him I couldn't come. And I told my wife, I said, we got to start a church for these neighborhood kids. So on the first Sunday, I had 11 neighborhood kids in the back of my pickup truck. Do y'all remember when you could do that without going to jail? You remember when you could put your dog in the car and roll the window down and go into Kroger without committing a felony? So I'm going to church, kids are sliding all over the back of the truck. And that seems so far-fetched to people now. It's how we, it was okay. I never knew nobody got flipped out of the truck going to church. Anyway. Drove them all to church. And on the first Sunday, the first person to respond to Jesus Christ and the gospel was that little boy, Jimmy Sanderson, who later became my son. Took him in, put him in private school, put him through college. Now he's a man of God. He's in his mid-30s. So I got a 34-year-old boy, a two-year-old boy. (laughs) I'll get to that in a minute. (laughs) Two four-year-old little girls. But see, if you'd have asked me, I wouldn't have picked that. But God knows that I pick my pathways out of ignorance. And he picks his out of perfect knowledge. And it takes humility to realize I don't know all the variables. Let me tell you how I learned this. God, see, some of y'all, you and God are deep. And God knows I'm just not. And he does flashcards with me. God will say, John, cat, what's that? That's a cat. John, you, that's my boy. That's how I learned. I'm telling you, you think I'm being funny. That's how I learned. Flashcards. And why do we do it over and over and over? Because any grammar school teacher would tell you we learn by repetition. And so uh, I felt the Lord speak this to my heart one day. Just me and him by myself. And he said in my heart, it wasn't audible. John, what's two plus two plus two? And you're thinking, that can't be the Lord. But it wasn't me. Why would I start doing math in my head? I spent my life trying to not do math, you know. And I remember out loud, I said, six. He said, you are absolutely wrong. It's seven. I'm sorry. No, it was 16. It's, I'm, I mean, see, y'all going to leave thinking I'm just crazy. This happened in, in my heart. little hawk. And I remember saying, Lord, it's six. He said, no, it's 16. I forgot to tell you, I didn't tell you to add 10. And so it's not like audible voices, but I'm having this dialogue in my head. And I said, well, I didn't have that information. He said, but I did. And that's what we're doing. We're adding up the variables in our life, making decisions. And we don't know about the add 10 that he knows about. That's why when you take the place and go, God, I can assess, I can make these deductions, but I don't want to lead. You pick for me. You pick for me where to live. You pick for me where to work. You pick my friends. You pick for me because you pick based on perfect 
knowledge. That's good. I learned that through many tears and frustrations. God's pathways are always best because they're drawn from perfect motives, perfect intentions. They are implemented with perfect love and they're backed by perfect promises. God's pathway, even if you're on a difficult pathway, even if you're on a pathway of deconstruction, in the end, I give you God's word on it. You'll look back and say, as for the Lord, his ways are perfect. Because his pathways are not about the comforts of this life. He does give comforts. But therefore, see, you're the project. He is making you for eternity. He's preparing you for eternity. And if he let you pick, you wouldn't be ready. And some seasons are for deconstruction. Some seasons are for construction. Some seasons are for corrections. Some are from nurturing. Some are very serene. Some are very turbulent. But God's ways are perfect. And I know this may sound simple to you, but it's very profound. God's ways, His paths that He leads are always the best. Not the easiest, but the best. Number two, God's pathways are found by following Him. God's pathways are found by following Him. To follow God, there are some things we must do. We must know and recognize His voice. You have to learn God's voice. And one of the most common questions new believers sincerely ask me, they said, how, how do you know God's voice? And I said, I can't tell you. In the same way, I could not describe my son Jimmy's voice to you in such a way that if the phone rang and you never met him, you go, hi, this must be Jimmy. I recognized it by John's description. But through familiarity and repetition, you know it's God's voice. And he speaks to each of us differently. I mean, it's similar, but he speaks to us our way. Do you remember when it said that uh, Saul said, I was blinded from heaven with this light. It knocked me off the donkey and I heard a voice from heaven speaking to me in the Hebrew tongue. Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Do you remember that? Why did he speak to him in a Hebrew tongue? Because he's Hebrew. Which meant I'm speaking to you in a familiar tongue. So I want to tell you the way, the way that God speaks to me. It feels like home when he does. When he speaks to me about a decision or something, I go, well, of course. And if it doesn't have that deep sense of, well, of course, I don't want no part of it. I don't care what you're offering me. I don't care what it looks like. It's got to feel like, well, of course, because that's the way he leads me. And God will speak to you. And if you don't know his voice, it's as if he's not talking. And how you know his voice is repetition. Every time you acknowledge and respond to it, it becomes clearer. And be careful. You can't ask your friend, did God talk? Because they may be on a different frequency than you. I can't check with you about my family. Do y'all think that's what I'm supposed to You think, well, what do y'all think? Let's, let's take a vote. Oh, you'll wind up in Guyana if you take votes. You don't need to, no, 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 no. You need to know his voice for yourself. And if a door closes, there are men in this church that have stepped out. They felt the Lord close the door at their employment and they weren't sure what they were going to do. And they said, baby, I'm telling you, the Lord is telling me our days are numbered at this place. I've got to step down. And they have stepped down, resumes out. Well, natural reasoning, rightfully so. I'm with you. I'm agreeing. You should never put in a notice without another job lined up because you have to provide. Gotcha. I'm in agreement with you unless the Lord tells you to. Now, you better be sure. You better be sure. But if you're sure, that man says, baby, all I know to do is what the Lord told me to do. And no sooner than they obey the Lord, then provision comes and it shows that daddy did hear the the Lord's voice. He said, my sheep know it. Isn't it wonderful when you hear, even if no one else hears it, you go, that's his voice. I've proven him over and over 
and over, and I trust him. And you got to be by yourself sometimes because they might not hear what you heard. God's pathways are found by following God, and we must trust and yield to his authority. We must cease trying to understand and predict his leadings. Have you ever tried to predict what God's doing? It's like God has, he's neurotic. If you try, I think he's doing this. I think he's doing this. Does anybody else do that? And this is the Lord. Oh, scratch that. Never mind, never mind. Scratch, scratch, scratch. Trying to predict because we want to be like him. And we're all together not like him. We are in, an, in, in, in some ways, we're made in his image, but he has designed this to where you and him don't lead. He leads and you follow. That'll save you some sleepless nights if you stop trying to predict what he's doing. We must ignore all the contrary voices within and without. We must refuse to be led by our natural senses. And to follow God, you must follow him. We must always keep our eyes on the shepherd. Don't forget God will lead you, not drive you. You drive cattle, you lead sheep. God's not going to say, come on now. I told you about this. Come on, come on, come on. He doesn't do that. You know what he does? He walks away. And this is why some of you potentially feel so far from the Lord because you are far from the Lord. He's not forgot you. He's not lost you. You've lost him. And when God gets ready to lead and leave, lead and leave, this is what he does. And he walks away. But if your eyes are on him, you go, oh, the Lord's leaving. What are you doing? I'm not certain yet. See, I don't know yet. But I know that he's moving me. He's leading me. We're to follow God willingly. Don't be like a a mule. Kelly and I uh, recently just moved. We got our last boxes in the house at 10 p.m. last night. And we're going to get some chickens and guineas. We've got some farmland. And uh, I said, what would you like to get? You want to get a horse? Uh, Isabel said, a tiger. <laughs> Olivia wants an elephant and Izzy wants a tiger. Eventually, <laughs> eventually we're going to get to a horse. And I don't even know why that, I, that's not in my notes. I don't know what I was going to tell you. We're to follow him immediately, wholeheartedly. Wholeheartedly we're to follow Confidently, quietly, no questions, no whining, no second guessing. One of the greatest gifts my wife gives me, and I want to brag on her a moment. I'm not one of those guys that brags all the time on people. in a public forum because usually if someone's flattering you, they're taking advantage of you and you don't know it yet. They're trying to get to something. But in the first six years of our marriage, we moved five times. That's insane. And each time, it was the Lord. There was something he wanted to give us, something he wanted to heal, something he wanted to do, something he wanted to give, something he wanted to. It was all part. Listen, no one sane wants to move. This is it till Jesus comes. Do y'all say that after you move? (laughs) Kelly and I said, this is it till the rapture. This is it. We hope you like it. (laughs) This is it. But she's always been, John, I'll follow you. And that's not just a passive wife that doesn't care. My wife is smarter than I am. She's more educated than I am. And she's more articulate than I am. What it is, is I trust you to hear his voice. Just his voice. There's something about where we moved that is for our babies. I prayed for a half a year, almost every day. Where do you want, where do you want my babies? I don't know who they're going to meet. I don't know who they're going to be kept from. I don't know all that. I'm not trying to win a court case or tell you 
this, that, you know, flip scales. Where do, where do you want our babies? And I'm telling you, yesterday and this morning when I woke up, there is a deep, deep sense of dead center. You know how you do the tuning fork and you go, ding. But you got, you got to follow him for yourself. You got to do it willingly. Now there's some tests you can do to make sure you're not just misplacing God's voice for yours. If it's the easiest path, you ought to pray a little longer. If everything is in agreement, you ought to pray a little longer. And don't, and don't be like the charismatics that drive neighborhoods and go, I claim that house. You better claim the payments that come with it too. And the maintenance fees. But just knowing the Lord's pathway, you follow Him wholeheartedly. And I don't know all of what it's about but I think it has more to do with our children than it does us. Follow him confidently, consistently, because a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. You want to drive yourself crazy? Swing back and forth. Follow God, follow you. Follow God, follow you. You'll forget who you are. You will be a nervous wreck because you're going to go from peace to unrest, peace to unrest. If you're going to follow God, follow him. If you're going to follow yourself, follow you. But the scariest place you can ever be in your Christian life is for God to turn you over to yourself. I'm telling you, listen, I'm not beating you up. I'm telling you because I have earned those stripes. You remember when David was given the choice between the angel coming in and destroying part of the nation out of the wrath of God or being turned over to people, which he was a person, but his enemies, he said, oh God, just don't turn... Anything but being turned over to ourselves. And he let God judge it. You don't ever want to be turned over to yourself. Don't ever pray for the Holy Spirit to stop convicting you or prompting you. The safest place you can be is behind the shepherd. And we're to follow God joyfully. Not, yeah, we're... Moot. What, what, guys, what would it be like if you go home and you... You say, hey, baby, or you're out to dinner with friends, and your wife goes, ha, we're moving again. And you just, Shoo. what do you think the Lord feels when he says, I've prepared this thing, and he hears it. Third place of employment in three years. What's the Lord doing? And he hears this. There is a place of trust where you can say, in my flesh, this is not enjoyable at all. But Lord, joyfully I follow you because I know you have my best interest at heart and you're operating out of perfect knowledge. We're to follow him exclusively, not him and somebody else. Group me in with every preacher you've ever listened to. Listen to me. Listen. Group all of us in. TBN, Daystar, Pastor John, Mama's pastor, Daddy's pastor, Granddaddy, the relative who pastors part-time, put us all in the room together. If they ever say anything that contradicts the Word of God or how God is leading you, ignore them. Ignore them because I am an under-shepherd, which means I've been given a trust, but I am not God's final voice for your life. Two things. The Bible you hold in your hand and the spirit in you that connects with God Almighty. When he says stay, stay. When he says move, move. When he says go, go. He is your shepherd. Follow him joyfully and gratefully. Number three. God's pathways are divine connectors. Especially for those that are on a difficult pathway, rejoice because these are avenues, not addresses. Pathways are not destinations. They're connectors. On the highways, they'll say, that's the so-and-so connector, which means it's just trying to get you to another place. Pathways are not where we live. They're divine connectors. And they're not designed for relaxation, but transformation. They are meant to take you from one place to another, one level to another, one grace to another, one revelation to another. These are not addresses. They're avenues. Number four, God's pathways are revelational. If you follow the Lord closely, it will reveal how weak and sinful you really are. 
we really are. You can't follow the Lord closely and not see yourself. Every time I follow the Lord into a proper pathway, I realize that I would have chosen a different pathway, how wrong I am, how ignorant I am, how naive I am, how predictable I am. And that's okay. It's not a self-hatred. I'm not talking about God leading you and now it's self-deprecating where you just loathe yourself. No, it's you don't trust yourself. That's, that's not a bad place to be. It's no, the Lord's my shepherd. And it's revelational when you see, has anybody here ever been led into a place and you said to yourself, ooh, I wouldn't have chose this and I would have messed up had I not. It's just revelational to you. Do you see yourself clearly? These pathways reveal the arrogance and ignorance of our fellow man. The only thing that scares me worse than me leading my life is you leading my life. Don't, I'm amazed at the people, oh, I just need to go out and eat with my five best friends and see what I need to do. Time out. Your crazy friends, <laughs> look at their track record. I mean, they're sweet and fun and y'all high five and laugh. They're crazy. Seriously. If you've shook their hand, they're crazy. We don't take our cues from other people. Now, we can surround ourselves with spiritual people to seek confirmation, but we don't find God's pathway through consensus. We find it through devotion and nearness. They reveal God's goodness. They reveal God's faithfulness. They reveal God's power. They reveal God's sovereignty. If you're in his path, there's going to be constant revelation of who you are and who God is. And you must decrease so that God can increase. Number five, God's pathways are often resisted by those who follow him. That's almost a contradiction. There are some that follow, but they resist him. Why are God's pathways so difficult for us? Because God doesn't take the obvious pathway. Haven't you ever prayed for something and go, well, there it is, Lord. And he, here's what we say. The shortest distance between A and B is a straight line. And God goes, I'm going to take you to B. And you go, there she is. And God goes, let's go this way. You said B, right? B. Mm. It would seem to me, Lord, respectfully, that (laughs) what I'm trying to tell you is there's no room behind the wheel for two people. And you can say, well, God and I kind of do this together. (laughs) You are deceived. (laughs) You're like the little kid in front of the wheel going, me and daddy driving. No, you're not driving. (laughs) Unless God gets out of the car and lets you drive. That's the scariest of all now. God doesn't take the obvious path. It's hard and we resist God's pathways because if we think that if we're on it, everything will be easy. No difficulty, no opposition, no setbacks, no unexplainable seasons, no losses. You can't gauge God's leading by everything fitting and working and everyone in in agreement. All it has to be is at peace in your soul. The kingdom of God is within you. And we think, well, if God, you ever hear people say this? If God's in it, it'll work. Have you ever heard that? Well, if the Lord's in it, Was the Lord in Moses leading the children of Israel uh, out of Egypt into Canaan? Did it work? No. Oh, the human element. You can't say if God is in it, it'll work. You just say, if I follow God, I'll be in his will. It may not work. Jesus, according to man, on his earthly pilgrimage wasn't very successful. He called 12. All of them left. He died alone. Now, we, of course, know he's the victorious king, but if you judge the here and now, which is how we judge, then Jesus was not a success. With all of God's leading, there will be difficulty. There'll be some opposition. There'll be some questions that go unanswered. There'll be some things you have to say, I don't know about that. But if I hear his voice, I'm good. If he's walking in front of me, the rod and the staff, 
The sheep says, if I'm far enough back and there's a lot of sheep in front of me and I can't see him and I hear that staff go on the stone, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. If I can hear that you're near me, if I can hear your voice, I'm good. It's often difficult to follow the Lord because he doesn't lead us on the straightest path, the nearest path, the familiar path, the popular path, the broad and roomy path, or the easiest path. But here's the primary one. It's hard to follow the Lord because he often leads us on a path we would not have chosen because we would avoid conflict at every cost. He rarely chooses what I would have chosen, but he always chooses the best. Sometimes when I'm on stage with y'all, this is just talking, not preacher, but me and you. I wonder if this is my last time. Like, you know, you could pass away. I just wonder. I said, you know, what if it's the last time you get to tell him? I want to tell you that the Lord's way is perfect. It's perfect. Drew and Kim, it's going to work. It's going to work with difficulty and setback and you'll have people come. People, It's going to work because y'all sought his voice. And I want you to know that he doesn't choose the easiest path. He chooses the best path. And it always works. It works when our walls are bursting with people. It works when it shrinks. It works when I'm at the top of my game physically. It works when I'm down with back surgery. God's pathway works because it's God's. And if the Lord is leading you, you need to get to a place where you're good. You're good. I didn't say I'm always 100%. I'm good because His pathways, as for the Lord, His way is perfect. Perfect. Number six. Ben, if you would come up this morning. God's pathways will eventually lead us home. Now, I mean this like heaven, but also home, the next place. There are homes along the way. There are residences along the way. There's uh, holding stations. There's uh, places where you meet people. There's places where you say goodbye to people. And we try to hold, we want everything the same. I can prove it to you. How many of you sitting in the exact same seat you sat in last week? Jesus paid it all. Why? Because we're creatures of familiarity. And we want to keep every friend we had from high school and then add the new friends. And the truth is, our life is mobile. There's some people in your life for a season. There's some places in your life for a season. You don't think I'm going to miss Drew and Kim? And those that go with them? But that's the pathway. So I want to be the biggest cheerleader. It's not about keeping everybody here. It's about following his will for all of us. And you've got to come to a place for yourself that you trust he's going to get you there, wherever there is. God's pathways will lead you home in this life and in the next one. Guaranteed. I've been singing to myself this week, I'm on my way to Zion. Beautiful, beautiful Zion. I'm on my way to Zion, the city of the living God. And along the way, Kelly and I have done Carriage Way. We've done, what was the name of the road? Santa Fe. And then we've done Riverdale and we've done Edgefield. See, along the way, I'm home, 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 home. But here's the part. If no one else thinks it, I'm going to open my eyes one day and I'm going to be home. I'm going to see the Lord. I'm going to see all that have come before me. His pathway leads home. If I can tell you nothing else. If your pathway is narrow, if your pathway is difficult, if your pathway is obscure, if your pathway is lonely, it leads home, baby. Home. I don't advocate the premise of the show but Cheers, you remember the old show Cheers? Had one thing right in the beginning. It said in the song, sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name. When we get home, everyone will know us. 
and we're going to know everyone, and we're going to see the Lord. God's pathways lead home, regardless of what it looks like, regardless of how it feels, regardless of how we look or how we feel. I say often, I may not look like much, but I'm going to make it. I'm, I'm attached to the only thing that's going to make it. Regardless of how long it's taken, regardless of how little change is on the horizon, regardless, regardless of what the devil, our enemies, and our carnal mind says, regardless of the opposition, obstacles, or losses along the way, God's pathway leads us home. For those who have wandered away or never followed God, call out to your shepherd. He's never turned from a bleeding lamb. Well, I'm not his. Call out to him anyway. Let me tell you one of my favorite verses. Whosoever, whosoever calleth on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Whosoever, whosoever. It's not based. See, God's receptivity of you is not contingent upon you, who you are. It's based upon who he is. Well, Brother John, I'm not a Christian. Then you're whosoever. Well, Brother John, I was a Christian and I've walked away. Then you're whosoever. John, I've been places and done things that are unforgivable. Then you're whosoever. Call out to God. Call out to your shepherd and he will come. Draw near to him and he will draw near to you. Submit to him and he will save and heal you. And follow him and you'll never have to worry about your journey ever again. This is what I want to close with. The payout. The payout of having a shepherd is that you never have to worry again. You'll struggle because life is difficult. Like sparks flying upward, we're exposed to trouble. You'll struggle because your mind and your body are decaying. You'll struggle because you'll be misunderstood and misrepresented. You'll fail other people. You'll struggle, but you will never have to worry again. Because you'll lay down and say, even if I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for one reason. Thou art with me. Ah, that rod and that staff, they comfort me. I believe the Lord knew who would be here today. And one question is at stake. And by the way, it's wonderful to have cross life with us. Y'all welcome them. I just looked up and saw their shirts. This is their last Sunday with us. The Lord has opened up a door for them to relocate. And I told them this morning, but I know you'll want to tell them with applause. It has been such a joy to have y'all here. And we are so glad to have shared this part of the journey with you. Isn't it fitting that y'all would come in on this one part about the Lord? He's going to lead you. The one question at stake is this this morning, and only you can answer. Who, who is the final authority in your life? That's who your shepherd is. If life gets to a certain place, and then you can make the final decision, then you're the shepherd, and you're not his sheep. His sheep know his voice. And anybody else's voice, including their own, they won't follow. I may be a dumb little sheep, but I'm his. And he promises to lead you. Don't let the sun go down tonight with you being unsure. This isn't a matter of you believing in God. This is the last thing I say. People say, oh, I believe, that, I believe in God. I believe in God. A mental assent that God exists. The devil believes in God. The devil said, that's God right there. That's Jesus. He's not saved. He's not a sheep. Before the sun goes down tonight, may you settle once and for all. You are the voice for my life. And no one else's voice, including my own, will I follow. Let the chips fall.
and worry will vanish from your life. Experience after experience after experience, you go, God's got this. God, what are you going to do? Drew, what y'all going to do? Couldn't tell you. (laughs) But I know that everything is going to be okay because I can hear my shepherd lead. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? Pastor John, I am this strange hybrid, half sheep, half shepherd, and that is not God's will for my life. And I just want you to know I'm confessing that to him today. Something's got to change. Just put your hand up and put it back down. That just, I can't be that. Pastor John, I'm following him, but it, It's difficult right now. I don't want you to raise your hands. I want you to receive the peace of God. Hasn't your shepherd been faithful? Doesn't he know everything? Won't he bring you out and bring you in? Trust him. Just trust him. And for that person here that's standing out on the precipice of the unknown, cross life stepping out into the unknown, Radiant church stepping out all these unanswered questions. I speak into your soul. The plans that the Lord has for you are to establish you and prosper you and bring to you an expected end and to give you hope. No weapon formed against you is going to prosper. Your shepherd ain't lost one battle. Not one. Well, Pastor John, these are uncharted waters. Well, I have a word for you. Just because they're uncharted doesn't mean that God doesn't have a chart. You're good. You're good. Would you stand with us this morning? Let this be our dismissive song. You can just listen. You can sing along or lift your hand. Let this just wash over us and then you're dismissed for the day. Through it all. Through it all. I've learned to trust in Jesus. I've learned to trust in God. Through it all. out from this house today. May the Lord keep you. May God cause his face to shine upon you. Follow the Lord closely and he will lead you in righteous and right paths for his namesake. Have a wonderful Lord's Day. God bless you.